Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grader, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's Gonzo here. And OJ, Twitter has been blowing up with two weeks to go with trade rumors for the deadline for these White Sox. Are they going to be buyers? Are they going to be sellers? And lately, a part of that topic, OJ, I've seen a lot about trading Dylan Cease. John Morsey just put out there that the Astros really want Cease. They want him to be the highlighter to the deadline. And I see a lot of Sox fans putting out there to trade Cease for value and keep keep Lucas Giolito and resign him this offseason. Before I even go off on that, OJ, I want you to break it down for us. Well, I think that the biggest number one concern from White Sox fans and in the Twitter kind of just world is that Cease is represented by, by Scott Boris. And Scott Boris is the best at what he does and gets a lot of value for his players and his players usually go to free agency. They don't sign, sign long-term deals with teams, but does not mean that that is impossible. Okay. I think that if you give Scott Boris the right number, which is at times where the White Sox fail to have done that, I think that he would sign with the White Sox. Elvis Andrews is a Scott Boris player. Uh, Dallas Keiko was a, da- a Scott Boris player. So it's, it's not like there's never been a White Sox player signed by Scott Boris. I'm sure there's more. Then the second spot, the second part of that conversation is that you can sign Lucas Giolito because they think that Lucas wants to be in Chicago, that you'd get a a team-friendly deal and you can have a pitcher just to have a pitcher down the line. Um, and they still think that Lucas would be strong enough to kind of be the guy that you sign. Uh, and for some reason, they believe that they cannot sign Lucas Giolito and keep Dylan Cease at the same time. Uh, which good teams could have two top pitchers and pay two top guys, especially when you have younger guys uh, coming up in the system, uh, like Kopech kind of guys that you really have to spend money for, for a couple more years, even if it's one more. The part where Cease becomes very, very intriguing for teams, okay, and very intriguing for the Chicago White Sox, and it's a conversation about identity, okay? The Minnesota Twins, the Cleveland Guardians, especially the Cleveland Guardians, they know who they are, Okay. They've traded players in moments when they knew that they were not going to re-sign them, regardless of how good the player was or what he meant to the franchise. And at the time that they had to send sign players, they had a pretty good deal with, done with the players what the team could afford it. Okay, in the Jose Ramirez 
probably left a lot of t- money on the table uh, if he had gone to free agency. So they've done it. They know who they are. They know the guys that they have wanted to go after. The Chicago White Sox need to know in their hearts today is Dylan C somebody that we want to build our organization around and our pitching staff around? Is he someone that we are willing to give a multi-year deal that when in three years comes that we are going to make such a crazy, ridiculous offer to him that he stays in Chicago, that he loves the city of Chicago, that he's a guy that wants to spend here and end his career with the Chicago White Sox. That you should have known that by now. Okay, I'd hope that you'd have those conversations pretty much at this point because he's been around with the White Sox for a long time. If your plans are not a 100% you are landing Dylan season, no matter what, okay, and the value of what they're trading you for him, even without signing Giolito, and the value of the, what they're trading for him is a good value, and you do not see yourself winning the World Series in 2024, 2025, and 2026, for example, you move Dylan C's ASAP. Why? If you're not going to compete in 24 and you're not going to compete in 25 and you're not 100% sure that you're going to extend him to a long-term deal and keep him in Chicago, then why not trade him at his highest value? And why would you keep him for the next two years to play in seasons where you don't think you're going to compete? Mind you, if you think you're going to compete in the next two years and you're going to spend money on the team and you're going to go for it, and seizes the main pitch on that and the value that has to be ridiculous, then don't do it. But if that's not the case, then you move cease because he is the, the player that's going to bring the most value back. He is at the point of his career, probably reaching almost the pinnacle of, of what could be his career coming from a, a runner up to a Cy Young looks decent and healthy on the mound. You know, that the, 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 the product is there. So as a team, I think that any team that he goes to automatically become that much better with, with C's on their team. So if the Houston Astros pull it off of trading for C's, they have a, they have a solidified ace because everybody's hurt. He becomes the best pitcher on that staff automatically. Um, so I think that it's something that needs to be considered because I think that the white Sox are open to, to offers and, 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 uh, and what's to come. And again, um, a lot of bad money's coming off the books, but are they going to compete in 2024? You know, Montgomery, they're saying that he's not going to be ready to 2025 and maybe you take a year off and kind of like loosen the pressure for Griffal and the team and kind of like just go through the motions in 20 in 24 and then kind of rebuild that momentum to 25 and maybe 26, you'll compete again. Again, that's, I don't see the White Sox going back into, we're going, we're going to be World Series contenders in 2025 after completely falling on their faces in two years in a row. It's just like I don't see them completely 100% tearing it up and rebuilding. Yeah, so OJ, where I'm at right now is clearly looking at this division right now, it's wide up, wide open to take. So if I'm the GM, I'm going to put my chips in and retool and get right back into the fight. And not only am I going to keep Cease to do it, but I'm going to give him that extension that we haven't given yet for a big money pitcher. Last time we gave big money to was what Chris Sale for a pitcher right after John Danks. So moving forward, that's what I would go with. I would go finally give him that money because you know Jerry and Han were offering it to Zach Wheeler, and then followed by this offseason Carlos Rodon. So now they need to take that one step further, commit to him, and finalize it, and give him that money going forward and build around him 
build around Cease, Robert, and uh, Vaughn. Um, and that really leads us to this further discussion of what is to come. And that, my friends, we are going to go to Blackout Live. <laughs> All right, this is Blackout Live, and our guest tonight is going to be Nick, our boy Nick, Stone Cold Nick from Twitter. Nick, welcome to the show, man. How you feeling? Hey, what's tonight, up, man? man? What's up? Um, doing good, doing good. It's a, a pleasure to to meet you guys on this uh, this um, what's what's today? It's uh, was it Monday? It was it Monday, Tuesday? I I don't know. Tuesday, Tuesday. He's, ner- right, right. he's nervous, OJ. He's nervous. He's nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really a <laughs> mic guy, but uh. It's a pleasure to pleasure to be here, man. To talk a uh, talk of uh, White Sox baseball. You're very good with your you're very good with your with your twitters. I think one of the most interesting Twitter accounts at Stone Cold Nick. My one of my favorite avatars, which I had you break down for me because I really didn't know what it was. Um, I wasn't familiar with it, uh, but I really liked it because it looked kind of cool. And you did that for us. But um, when you were quick, just questions to kind of get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, favorite baseball uh, White Sox player of all time? Uh, Frank Thomas. The big hurt all the way. Best White Sox memory of all time other than winning the World Series? Um, It actually – actually, it was during the World Series year, and uh, I went to the only loss of that playoff uh, that playoff run. The only loss. I actually <laughs> went to that game. The Anaheim uh, game? Yeah, it was a loss, but uh, yeah, to this day I remember it, and uh, – Having to be the only loss, so uh, that's one of my favorite memories. And one of the only about. games at the at the cell from a World Series standpoint, there wasn't many. So we're glad for, to have you on the show again. One of the most entertaining. You always share very good data, uh, yeah. very good in in depth analysis, uh, having fun, but always giving out uh, good content, uh, valuable content, uh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. your typical "you suck" content. So glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks, man. All I right. really appreciate it. So, chat and everyone watching tonight, we're going to get into a little trade simulator here in a bit. But first, we're going to do a little big picture here at the deadline. Guys, we're going to build what is our core that we're building around, guys that we're keeping versus the guys that we're definitely selling and maybe some possible maybes in there. So, let's start off with the guys. For, let's just start off with the guys we're going to keep. All right. For me, I personally would build this around Cease, Robert. Vaughn, Crochet, Schultz, and Santos. Gregory Santos in the bullpen. Since you have control over him, that's a really solid arm. I wouldn't. Wait, wait, that you away. just you just throw Noah Schultz in in the youth yeah. on this. He's in like <laughs> yes. he's like in he's like in single A rookie ball. He has I like twelve it. innings pitched. I get it, but big picture, this is a kid I want to bring in. And what twenty? You'll probably bring out the end of twenty four, possibly. Most likely twenty. Probably twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. So if he's healthy, he will be up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't consider him again. I don't think, I don't even think teams are asking for him. To be honest with you, I think that th- there's more talent in in the higher ranks. No one's asking unless the team is in a full rebuild. 
which a lot of those guys are not trading in the middle of the year, they're looking for MLB ready guys. So mm-hmm. I, I like your I like where you're going with this without the Noah Schultz. I've been I've been in professional baseball for less than a year. Uh, I won't move him. Uh, but I think that you you build around Robert. OK, you always need a pitcher to kind of anchor that. And, and that would be Dylan, in my opinion, just because I, I, I like Dylan more than I like Giolito as a pitcher for many, many reasons. I think it doesn't make me that I don't think Giolito is a good pitcher. I just think Cease, I think Cease could become a, a conversation of a Cy Young type of arm. I don't think Giolito is in that realm of, of next level. Um, so that's why I would keep Cease. Um, and I would think that you could, you would, you would make him the franchise player, uh, with Robert on on each side. I like Andrew Vaughn. Um, for some reason, White Sox fans think that the best player has to be at first base just because maybe historically that's how it's been for the White Sox. Thomas, Canerco, uh, you know, Abreu, it's three generations of three amazing first basemen. It doesn't mean that Andrew Vaughn has to produce at the level that those men produce. For the teams. So I think that they can have a really good team while Andrew Vaughn is an average player. Guess why? Because the White Sox center fielders during those three generations were not going to be as good as Robert. So you can have Lewis Robert be the man <laughs> and, and kind of carry that. So I, I would keep Andrew Vaughn. I, I think that unless the, the deal was crazy, I think he's a guy that's just a solid guy. First base, you know, you already have a corner guy. And then from there, man, it's uh, I think the the only guy in the bullpen, which I have bullpen slash starter, is Crochet. Um, I really like him. I think that he's a versatile guy. I think that he has a lot of great years ahead of him. I can see him being a closer. I can see him being a a starter. He's that good. After that, I'm I'm open game to anybody else being moved because unless I I, like, for example, the T situation, he's going to ask for way way more money then I think the team is able to spend on him. And he's not a dude. And a dude is a guy that can carry a franchise and put numbers that are out of this world and carry them. He's not that guy. He's Fans want to make him guy in their head, but he's not that guy. Real quick, OJ, the only reason why I really mentioned Schultz is because in the big picture, when I'm really contending, I wouldn't want to trade him away because I want Schultz with C's in that rotation with possibly Crochet, if Crochet builds them that arm up to be in the rotation. Yeah, if you have uh, three good arms, you have you can, yeah. you can go rent two other pitchers. That's If you have yeah. two arms as a franchise, you're in really good shape. If you happen to have three arms, and again, he becomes your lefty, by all means. And I think that's mm-hmm. – if, if I'm the long-term general manager, if I'm somebody that's coming in to take this job, or if I'm the owner, that's how I'm thinking about this long-term – um, you know, you have a three-headed monster. You can you can rent two other pitchers to be the four and the fifth. That's you know you could get that in free agency. But I, I like that uh, again. Catcher position, there's no one. Okay, uh, third base position. Uh, I think that Berger's more of a DH type of player than an everyday third baseman. I need somebody there defensively. Uh, Moncada won't be here by the time we're building, so you just kind of have to eat the contract and see what happens. Hope that he plays well for the next couple of years. And then in the outfield, I think that obviously Benintendi has a, a contract, a friendly team contract. So I don't know if he goes anywhere because it's a lot of money, but you can trade him. But in that reality, I think that when you're building those teams, I think those are the core guys up the middle. Robert Cease. So, Nick, do you have any uh, keepers uh, before we move to the selling part? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, obviously, you know, 
I think you build a team around Luis Robert Jr. I mean, he's he's got all the tools to be not just a star, but a superstar, one of the upper echelon players. Um, but I think more so than anything is, uh, you know, guys have to develop. Um, I think a big portion of this retool, uh, it starts with the development of Andrew Vaughn. And I also think Jake Berger It's because Jake Berger, given the fact that he's under control uh, until 2029, barring a trade, I wouldn't necessarily be sure if there would be a Jake Berger trade unless unless they really they really thought about it. But um, those are two guys because they both are are considered sluggers. Uh, I think it's going to be important for them to really develop and become viable players offensively. But uh, as far as that, um, Benintendi's under long-term control. I don't see him going anywhere. Um, I don't see Yoan, Eloy. I think their their money's eventually going to run out. Uh, as far as Tim Anderson, uh, people talk about trading Tim Anderson. I, I think right now it's his value is just so low. It's not, you're going to get low ball. Uh, you know, so I think right now it's just a period of just getting him back. And hopefully next season, if the team is in this position, which is realistic, mm-hmm. um, you know, you get whatever value you can. And mm-hmm. uh, for, go ahead. I was going to say, you finished that. I was going to have you lead us off on the, the selling part. But you have any other names there at the end there that you were going to say? Uh, as far as the bullpen and the pitching staff, uh, I say Cease and Kopech. You know, they're still under control and they're still relatively young. And in the bullpen, I say Gregory Santos and uh, Garrett Crochet. Okay. But uh, other than that, that's pretty much it. And when we're, when we're going to talk about selling right now, we're going to divide it into guys definitely likely to go versus possible, like maybes. Let's go with yeah. the guys that are definitely, who do you feel like are guys that you need to move right now to get the best value at this deadline going into uh, the trade deadline? Well, uh, well, certainly, you know, if it was, if I was the GM, the first person on my list is Lucas Giolito. Is, is given the fact that it's already been made pretty much clear that they're not going to resign them. I think Jerry has a history of not resigning pitchers, so you're at a point where you want to get something back for him. And I, I think that something. If I was Rick Hahn, I would want young, controllable pitchers who are nearing the level of being major league ready like a, a michael grove that's that's a, an example you know he's not necessarily a finished product he's not really a good pitcher he's not upper echelon but he's a younger player that's under control and you can develop that arm um to be a viable starter uh so i think giolito he might be he might be my my main main choice to be an automatic sale um, I also think, uh, you might want to get something for Lance Lynn at the time is because, I mean, I don't see his option being picked up. Uh, so whatever you can get for him, you can try to get for him. And, uh, those are probably my two main, like you have to sell them. It's no fans or buts. Uh, now, as far as maybes, um, I see Keenan Middleton is because I don't really think he was ever a long-term piece to begin with. I think he will be packaged up in some way. Um, I'm trying to think who's another person. Uh, I guess you can consider Tim Anderson a maybe, but the only way Tim Anderson would be moved is probably in a package. 
maybe with Giolito probably, you know, it's because it, that's how the value will balance out. And um, I would say Eloy Jimenez is another maybe, but mind you, Eloy can't stay healthy. And the unfortunate crux with Eloy is in his contract, his buyout costs total $6 million. So I'm not sure if there are many teams that would want to bite at that, knowing the fact that this is a guy that can slug, but he can't stay healthy. So, um, so, so I think OJ, me and you are in agreement on Giolito and Lynn, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think that, I think unless you're trying to compete next year, you don't move Lynn. But I think that you have to in order to retool, because you can bring somebody in in the off season, maybe for less money for what Lynn has done for you, um, and kind of strike gold for for a, a short term deal. Uh, absolutely. He, he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been an elite pitcher. He, he's had great games, but you, you trade him at the highest value and then you trade, uh, and then you trade Giolito. You cannot let what happened with Jose Abreu happen again, where you didn't even get a body. You know, when you look at the White Sox depth chart, for example, at the catcher position, it's very, very weak. Um, Grandal's coming off the books. Sevi Savala is not the answer. You don't know what you have with other guys. No one's been able to step up. You need you need a potential future catcher. You need a potential future second baseman um, because no one's really just taking that spot. So you need bodies. Um, and maybe in one of those deals, you take somebody that's not major league ready right now, meaning like to be in a, in a competitive down the stretch pennant race, but you might take somebody that's ready next year to be an everyday starter and eventually develop into that picture that you, you, know, you can find a diamond in the rough. So you kind of make that switch. So those are the guys that bring it. And then obviously everybody in the bullpen. I think Graveman, yeah. Kelly, Liam Hendricks, by the way, I have him on the list as well. You move yeah. whatever you can move. Uh, just because I think that the guys that are under control, that you have as healthy arms, you have options with them. Uh, I think that guys like Kopech, Crochet, depending on how the team looks like in the future, they could help you You know, do the bullpen. I always believe in the philosophy that you can, if you're a very good general manager, you can rebuild a bullpen every single year. Um, I think that's, you know, bullpens are, are something that you can rebuild, you know, strike it, you know, rip it all apart and then rebuild it very easily. But you need to use, you need to use the Giolitos of the world, the Lansons of the world to bring you back a catcher. I think the catching position is a, is a big concern right now for the Chicago mm. White Sox because not making that move for Sean Murphy was probably the worst deal that they did not make, especially with Andrew Vaughn, because you could have put Berger, even though Andrew's a great player, but you didn't, I think that they didn't pull the trigger, not realizing how weak they were in the catcher position um, at that moment. Yeah. So for me, guys, definitely that I am selling at this deadline is going to be G Lito Lynn to begin. And then I'm going to go straight to the bullpen, Middleton, Graveman, Bummer. Those are the three that I'm getting out of here for the value that I can get out of them. My possibilities, my maybes, depending if, like what Mike is saying right here, if the price is right, I'm going to listen to offers for Berger, Eloy, and I know Joe Kelly with the arm. You know, I want to see what I can get for him. I'm going to listen to offers. And then my last guy I put on my list is Michael Kopech. So I want to see if I can get some value for him. And I'm just listening in on that. Um, what's your thoughts on that, guys? 
I think it's great. I think that you're breaking it down. I think that they should have that those those levels of of you know high priorities that you're going to move. Like if they don't move Eloy Jimenez, I'm not concerned. Eloy is a player that when he is healthy, he plays well and he's under contract, so the money was always there, and they already know that they spend that money. Same thing like with a Moncada. When he comes back, he comes back. Um, with a Jake Berger, it could be somebody that a team could be very interested in, especially a team that's not in the pennant race that wants to like rebuild and add some power or somebody in the pennant race. But I really, 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 really think that there's that top tier of the the C's, the the Lins, the the Lucas Jolitos, the bummers of of the world, the Gravemans of the world that you have to move in order for you to get value and retool and make this team better. I think the worst thing that they could do, man, is not do anything. If they don't move, yeah. do anything like right now, they've added a player to, to in reality in the trade deadline. Um, so you cannot go out there and just not make anything possible, thinking that you're gonna go for it because your team next year is gonna be that much harder to build because of how much money you spent, or you're gonna have to release a bunch of guys in order to keep that uh, because there's only 26 ro- spots in the roster um, every year. Yeah. yeah. So, chat, right now, we're going to get into some trade simulation here. We got some deals ready. Nick and I are ready. OJ's going to give us some thoughts. And I'm going to begin it. I got two of mine and two of Nick's here. And since uh, Nick is the guest, I'm going to start off with him. And let me tee you up, Nick. I'm going to give you your uh, LA uh, Dodger deal. And here it is. If you can see it on the – I didn't get to blow it up, but – Go yeah, ahead. Talk us through it, Nick. Talk us through this deal. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I look at this deal and, of course, the Dodgers are probably – they've been the main team linked to Lucas Giolito. But, uh, you know, not only do they get a, a starter that they may think about, you know, re-signing in the offseason, they also get a reliever in Keenan Middleton to help uh, bolster their, uh, their bullpen. Um, the Dodgers have struggled – uh, to really maintain some some consistency in the pen this year. And uh, what we would get back in return, uh, Landon Knack is a 24-year-old AAA arm. Uh, he features a 96-mile-per-hour fastball and a slider-curve mix. Uh, he's also uh, pitching 241 ERA in Oklahoma City. So he's he's a guy that's pretty much on the cusp of being a major league starter. Uh, of course, he can't get on the on the uh, bump in L.A. is because they just loaded with talent. And the second guy in that is, of course, Michael Grove. Uh, the Sox saw Michael Go- Grove. They teed off on him. But I think he has a lot of tools to his to his pitching repertoire. Um, if I can go to my uh, card here, uh, six ERA, but throws hard he can get up to 95 uh and i think pairing a younger pitcher um he's 26 he's 26 uh pairing him in that circle with dylan cease and kopech who are both 26 27 uh those young pitchers ethan Cass can get behind those guys and at the moment that doesn't really look like much but you could turn that as long as you have those guys under control into a pretty workable starting rotation and then as long as you work at the bottom half so that's my uh dodger trade all right hey oj before i show you mine i'm gonna actually bounce back and forth here because i have a dodgers deal too but what's your thoughts on nick's little uh package there 
No, this one, I I, uh, I think it's a great package. And, and the reason, again, when you're looking at trades, this is a realistic trade. Without knowing much about Grove and Knack, the, the breakdown that Nick just gave is great because that's what you're looking at in, in, in that value of a, of a team uh, guys that are potentially MLB ready, but don't have a spot on the team because they're just that big of contenders. So they can come here and be like diamonds in the rough, or they can come in and actually pitch for you. Um, just because you know that the Dodgers are going to use Lucas Giolito in this pennant race and they potentially want to sign him. Okay. Um, it doesn't really mean that they're going to sign him in the future, but it's going to have to go to a team like the Dodgers, a team like, and we broke it down, like the Houston Astros, like the Phillies, where you're going to rent a player for a half a season and ride him out, try to get you inside the playoffs, and then have a starter in the starting playoff rotation. So I think that's a realistic trade. Middleton gives them, again, more of more of a bullpen arm where they can have depth if they keep him in AAA or keep him in the big league team. They've had bullpen issues all the time. So it is a realistic trade. And from the White Sox standpoint, you know, you're not going to get Chris Sale back in the trade, but you're going to get two arms that you're going that you didn't have before that you can really work with and say, Hey, you know, let, let's see what these guys have and, and go from there. So a, a very, a, I like the, the way that it's being shaped in the types of players you're asking for in return. Okay. And then on mine, I saved Giolito for a different team. I'm focusing right now in my package on the guys that aren't at the big league level. And uh, here is my deal. See if I can blow this up here. Let's see this bad boy. So, you so got I'm trading. I'm trading away our first round pick in Montgomery, but I'm going to get back uh, Dalton Rushing, who is the futures game catcher for the Dodgers. He's their number three catcher of the Dodgers, if I remember right. Yes, he's their number three prospect and number fifty in all of MLB right now. And I believe Montgomery right now they bumped up to what 21 lately, but I'm starting off with rushing and then I'm going to get the, the Dodgers seventh. No, sorry. Ninth prospect with their start handed pitcher. who's projected to be a middle of the uh, rotation guy who has a fastball that lights up in between 95, and 97 with a nice curveball sing at 78 ish and a slider in the lower 80s. Um, that's what Nastrani has been throwing. And then their 10th prospect is Didola, who's an outfielder. Uh, he's got some pop. He's a lefty guy that has some pop. And the numbers are for Dalton rushing. He's got 199 at-bats um, at single A. All these guys are, are high single A right now. Rushing has 199 at bats. He's batting 251 with eight home runs, 37 ribbies. He has an 882 OPS. Um, again, he's not your off. He's not offensively defined at this moment. He's more. He's an offensive bat. Has that pop. Um, Nastrani has 64 innings pitched with a 392 ERA and 74 Ks. 74 Ks and 64 innings. And then Daydola. And 129 at bats is batting 279 with one home run, 18 ribbies, and a 795 OPS. And that's the package I'm getting back for Montgomery. So I'm solidifying a, a catcher, a pitcher in that deal, and then an outfielder who might be a right fielder or is at least a uh, your, guy off your, the bench as an outfielder. 
I don't think they would give you three for one. I, I could see two of these guys coming in for one. Um, and you and I would take the catcher and the pitcher. Uh just in general, because of you have Colas and whatnot. But I would take the catcher for sure. And it comes to the reality of like you really have to scout and say, okay, if it has to be a one for one, is it even worth it? Because you're not losing everything at the big league level. And especially if you're gonna re-sign uh TA and whatnot. But I, I could see this trade being a two for one uh instead of a three for one. And I and I would totally move Montgomery without a hesitation for a catcher. Yeah. Now for me, like I, I agree with you, two for one, but with how the values are and talking to some of these guys that have seen some of these prospects, they are more leaning on three for Montgomery at least. Um and according, and it kind of matches what the website is going with because the the website here with the values that they've had on deals in the past year has been fairly accurate. Do they have so, a desperate button for the algo? Do they have a desperate algo, or I'm going to take advantage of you because they should have it on there? Because right now they do. No, they do. Deal. I'm saying they're tr- they're going to try to take advantage of the White Sox as much as possible, yeah. just because of yeah. the situation that they're in. Yeah. So that is my package for the Dodgers um Nick I'm gonna go back to you um let's see you had the Nationals and this is based on burger so take it away Nick yeah so um I kind of quickly made this one I was a little iffy on it but um uh the quick breakdown on Lane Thomas uh you know he's got 15 home runs 51 RBIs on 293 Batting average, he's slugging 488. Uh, Joey Man- uh, Manessis, uh, six home runs, 49 RBIs. Uh, he slugs uh, 394, 715 OPS. Uh, he's kind of on a down year, but uh, he can DH. He's played some first base, some third base, played a little outfield. Um, this is kind of a pipe dream deal, you know, because it's, it's a two-for-one and you're getting back um, – two major league caliber players. Uh, I think what you could sell Jake Berger on is the fact that he is slugging over 500. Um, he's got 20, 20, uh, 21 RB, uh, 21 home runs, uh, 45 RBIs. Um, and uh, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I have to say about it. You will be getting two uh, major league caliber players back. Uh, it will bolster some of the depth. Uh, but I think it's just a question of would a Nats bite on that type of deal, given that both of those guys are under control. Um, so that's pretty much all I got to say about this one. I, I don't. I'd see it maybe one for one, but again, yeah. I, I I like that Berger has been actually been doing it in the big leagues and the power. Uh, yeah. But it is realistic because again, someone might be looking for that power, and the Sox might just be able to move in to try to you know refresh, but. Out of all the trades that we saw, I think this is probably the hardest one to pull off at this moment, yeah. um, just in general. Yep. And not to mention Lane Thomas. I would love that if we can get Lane Thomas in that deal for Berger. Yeah. Lane Thomas was a guy that got snubbed for an all-star appearance this year. Yeah, the guy's yeah. absolutely raking right now for the Nationals. He's on fire. But, yep. Nick, I really was shocked when you sent me that because that's something that – I mean, look – if you missed Jake Berger on the MLB Network yesterday, yeah. he's top what top five for slug percentage and behind Otani, Judge, Acuna. 
forgot who uh, was right before him. But uh, yeah, that's yep. not bad company to be behind. And if you're going to get a value that can come to what you just put on that screen, that's a good deal. But yeah, I mean, you could, for the you know big picture, that'd be like you said, we're snubbing the Nationals there. But um, yeah. I do like what you're putting together there. The deal that I'm having for Giolito, I'm going to put on the screen now. It's going to be a two-for-one deal. Um, we're going to go and get a guy whose dad was playing on the Tampa Bay Rays. OJ, you remember Crawford out there? Oh, do I remember Crawford? By the way, this deal might be <laughs> happening. If Kenny finds out that Crawford's son is playing – he will probably end up getting a Crawford on the White Sox roster. <laughs> this is breaking news. Oh, he would be very, very hey, happy. And, oh, if he's, and if he is, by the way, and if he is the first years of his dad's big league career, if he is 90% of that, even 70% of that, he'd be a very, very good player because then you can have some options in the outfield. Yes. So, and his son is Justin Crawford. And again, for the value, you see it on the screen. You need a second guy to get this done just because of the prospect rate ranking here to get, you know, for a rental in Giolito. So you give away what I felt was right with Vera. But Justin Rushing, another another guy down there in high A, his numbers are uh, 100, or let's see. He has 340, or 341 average, one home run, 39 ribbies, and 35 stolen bases with a 840 OPS. You can get that for Giolito. And this is not really like, guys, like whoever's listening here, this is some true stuff that you can get because a guy like Morrissey just put out there earlier earlier in the morning, he put this deal together. Not per se Vera in it. It was just Giolito and Crawford highlighted. But when I went to the site and saw the, the values, I had to play with it a little bit to get something that could match it. And um, so just in the fact that Crawford and Giolito were mentioned for a Phillies package had me intrigued and um, I'm interested in it. No, no, I, I, I really think that um, there's something there. Yeah, something's cooking. And we've seen even Lennon, you know, conversations right now heated up. Um, Justin, is there anything else you want to – or not Justin, sorry. Gosh, I have Jay on my mind right now. <laughs> Nick, do you yeah. have anything on your mind that you want to highlight here as we just broken down a couple of our packages? Um, trying to think, trying to try to give myself some thought. I'll put uh, you in the hot seat, I know. You mean as in like uh, thoughts on trades or? Yeah, like, I mean, is like... there is there any of the other deals? Like I know I try to get you to do an Eloy one. Eloy is tough right now because as much yeah, yeah, yeah. as I was talking to you earlier, he got injured at the wrong time because that's a guy that his bet was heating up. Yeah, it was. And that's a guy that at where the value was because he was so negative when he got off the IL, and that he brought that value up. He was just about to break into the positives, and then he got injured. And two weeks before the deadline, a guy that you want to get value out of because you can't trust an Eli with the, with him proving himself to be hitting the IL. That's a yeah. guy that you want to get as much for for a designated hitter. Yeah. Um, I do say there is one more Giolito trade that I did have on my card. It's the, uh, it's a Giants trade, and the the trade did have Joey Bart in it. 
Yeah, I, I know Ozzy was talking about how, you know, you want to kind of sure up that catcher spot for the future is because realistically, I wouldn't give another deal to Grandal. I think he's worn down. Sebi Zavala, like he said, he's not a real option technically as a catcher. And we don't know what Carlos Perez is because we haven't really seen him play. Uh, but between those two guys, I say Carlos Perez. And if you add in a Joey Bart, who's a first rounder, has some some upside. But I think the Giants have kind of solved their catcher issue. They got Patrick Bailey out there. Uh, you bring in that guy, you know, it would add a bit of a depth uh, depth situation. Uh, but that's that's pretty much it, you know, that I could think of. Okay. OJ, yeah. what's your thoughts here at the trade deadline? Is there anything that um, you want to highlight here as we're getting closer here? No, I think that uh, from a highlight standpoint, I really think that I need to go back and, and say that. Um, just they need to be able to make moves and not have Jose Abreu happen again. That's just the reality of it, and that's where I really, you know, um, really believe that. There's two other names I want to throw out there here, and I didn't really get to put some deals together for them because I needed more time allowed for it. But I would really be interested in having conversations with the A's and trying to get their boy Sears, the lefty. um, Oh, yeah, yeah. We have to get him into this. Get him into this rotation here and uh, for the big picture. And then also, I know Ozzy loves his catchers, and I want to get – if we can't get my boy Dalton rushing from the Dodgers, and we want an MLB-ready guy, guy that's in the big leagues right now, I'm also, like you, you just brought up, Nick, I'm calling the Giants, but I'm going to step ahead of him. I'm going for Patrick Bailey. Again. Yeah. Jay brought him up, brought him up last week and unexpectedly, and I wasn't ready for it to have that conversation yet. But um, that's a guy also that switch hitting bat, pretty solid defensively that I would love to see them go after. Um, but that is all we have for tonight here with Blackout Live. Nick, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate having you on, and we definitely have to have you on again. Is there thank any shout out? Is there any shout-outs you want to give uh, for us tonight? Uh, I think I'd like to shout-out the uh, the BGR guys, uh, Mac, Justin, uh, Dre. You know, I know we're all in the in the chats together, but, uh, you know, those are the guys that have taken me in. You know, they, they show me love all the time. And uh, uh, also, you know, again, thank you guys for having me on here. I know a lot of the Twitter crowd may not – know who I am. They just know me on Twitter. Uh but I really appreciate it, you know, the to be given this platform and uh yeah and the haters can uh can kiss my ass because I have a lot of them. So uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I have a lot of enemies man. So <laughs> don't we all yeah <laughs> but Nick thank you man we appreciate having you on tonight and we're definitely gonna have you on again in the upcoming days. Thank Go you, White man. Sox you. man have a great rest of your night all right Thanks. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right, folks. We hope you all enjoyed our little uh, session here of breaking down this deadline at the moment. We have a lot to come and special guests that we've been working on. Hopefully we bring her on next week, but uh, more to that to come, OJ. But OJ, we just had all the momentum taken away from us uh, 
after the weekend of beating the Atlanta Braves going into staying on the East Coast and facing the Mets. And tonight we had one get away from us from us. And this uh, is going to be Griffall's grounds. You know, I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a, you know, on a on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, on you know, on whatever our team needs at this particular moment. <laughs> you were about to say something go ahead no i was about to say um i I don't know if it's about got away from them i think they had a great comeback the mets are horrible money does not buy you wins they're horrendous uh it was this weird situation again it's beating the bush it's beating again 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 griffal could have pinch hit for sevi savala who again came up to hit um with a runner on third and, and missed out and he could have pinch it for him and then he would have had a catcher again because he has three catchers right now on the roster so that that move was a little little off but again it, they're just trying to figure it out at this point man they're like literally they're like running just see if what they can get and like today's game was just 100 percent pure talent uh but still no approach at the plate still no plan they're winning on pure talent they're not playing baseball they're just literally it's when you're we were playing pickup basketball. They're not running plays. They're just going on pure talent. And that's dangerous because they're going to have pure talent. They're, they're, they're very talented. But when it gets hard and you have to grind out wins, you you have to have uh, a plan and a strategy. But they've been playing great the last couple of days coming off the break. So um, no complaints on that end. Right. For me tonight, it's both. I can't blame it all on Grafal, but this is definitely a situation where the players and Grafal let let this one slip. Players wise, earlier in the game, we we kind of uh, highlighted this Ozzy. Um, at least I, you know, I put there in the promo the segment that we had last week of Jay talking about Andrew Vaughn, and he had a situation. I think it was the fourth inning. Um, there was one out, runners at ducks on the pond, second and third. And uh, Vaughn strikes out, couldn't get a productive out to at least score one. And um, I think the score was like they're down five at that point. And if you cut that lead down to three, totally different ball game as, you know, the seventh inning came along and they made that jump back. And then in the ninth, you're just another run ahead in the situation. And then, then you go into the seventh inning junior that we were talking about earlier that you had the same situation. I think it was what second and third with Sebio with one out, or was it on the corners with one out? But regardless, he couldn't get a productive out to you know to get a run in. And um, yeah, I mean a situation where you could, if Grafal was as aggressive as we've seen him be lately, you could have pinched um, Carl or not Sebi for Eloy because they were saying that Eloy can be a pinch hitter bring in Eloy in that situation to either, you know, make that productive out or drive runners in. I feel like your possibility is a whole lot better than Sebi up there with how, you know, inconsistent he's been throughout the season. And then in that situation, if you do bring Eloy in, you give Carlos Perez, you know, 
shots behind the dish. You don't, you know, you have a guy allocated in the situation. It's not like earlier in the season when it was just two catchers on the bench with um, Grandal and Sebi. They've got three guys up there right now. So use that to your advantage. And I know, OJ, you were talking about how Grafal's mining, undermining of the bench could come back and bite him last week. You know, and I feel like in this situation, it did. This might have been the first situation that really bit him. And that's kind of surprising because we've seen him more aggressive than not. Um, And again, we talked about the ninth with Timmy. It's just unfortunate because he was having such a great day that what, how much of a bigger story that could have been with the four hit night and he walks it off, puts the socks ahead. Um, But we're not going to blame him because that's as much as, you know, he hasn't played up to his caliber this season. For today's game, he had a multi-hit game, and he really led this offense to be as close of a, as a game as it really was. Correct. And, and again, I think that's something that when you're looking at it, that's all you could do at this point when you're talking about Pedro. Um, and, again, this team is not playing really good baseball. And I think that they're, it's going to be harder for them to, to grind out those wins when they're not. So – I think it's a, when you're looking at the improvement, yes, I'm looking at wins and losses, but I'm also looking at um, what 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 are they doing and how they were doing those wins and losses. Yeah, and real quick before we wrap this up, OJ, I, I do want to kind of backtrack to the Atlanta series because if there's one positive I'll give Pedro, it is after that first game when you get beat nine to nothing and you turn around that next morning and take the next two games – you take a huge series that no one saw it coming. That's a positive I can take. Although I really want to highlight their game on Sunday. Cease, after the fifth frame, was at 99 pitches. I would have loved to see Cease go back out there in the sixth. And I know I've been talking about it for a couple weeks now, but I want to see Grafal start to lean on his, you know, his starting rotation guys. And what what not better than to have C's go out there for that six and take you know that inning off of the bullpen and allow him to really close a really strong outing. Um, I felt like he could have done it. Um, yeah, is there any, any thoughts on that, Ozzy? As we wrap up this, uh, no, I, I think that again he's going to ma- handle his pitching staff. How he's going to handle his pitching staff? He really doesn't want to mm-hmm. extend them. Um, I think that that's hurting them development wise. This is the same type of mistake that Rick Renteria was making when he was developing his team. And they're wondering why when it got hard, they were struggling. So those are things that when you're building for the future that you have to build those players to to be ready for what's coming later. You're not going to do that once you're up and running and competing. That's just the reality of it. So um, I think that those are the times when I look personally at those mistakes, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like it's such a crucial mistake because I feel like, and at least with Cease getting him to that next step, you have to push him to get to get yeah, correct, ball games. correct. But that's that's the modern game, you know. Yeah. We uh, we celebrate that. Uh, we celebrate uh, Cease going four, five, six, but it's a huge deal. But then Tuki does goes seven, and it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's it, it it's just laughable. Um, but again, yeah. that's just the, the game that we live in. And, folks, we're going to go to the upcoming schedule of our Chicago White Sox.
And before I go to schedule and put this comment here on that Mike posted for us, as you guys read that, I'm going to start to go into the schedule here. So the White Sox close out the New York series versus the Mets games on Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday's matchup is going to be Tucson, which we just talked about, versus Justin Verlander. What a game this could be for Verlander to, you know, bounce back, bounce back off his injury and his recovery against the White Sox and shut them down. Something that I can see, you know, Tucson's been really strong lately, so that could be an interesting outing um, here coming up. Thursday, Kopech versus Cantana. Cantana's making his debut off of, again, another pitcher coming off IL. Facing his former team, the White Sox. What a uh, recipe for disaster this could be, OJ. But let's see what Kopech can do. Can he bounce back off that rough outing? He had no control in Atlanta. Will he bounce back? We will see. Um, that's the matchups. Again, Alonzo's batting 207, 60, or 26 home runs, 61 ribbies. Um, anything you want to say, OJ, about this Mets Yeah. Series? I didn't say it in Griffold's grounds because I don't think – it might have not have been his fault, but what a shit disaster on how they brought back Michael Kopech without having any rehab starts in minor leagues. He was basically his rehab start. Um, he had like 15 days off. He hadn't thrown, and then he was his first start against one of the best hitting teams in Major League Baseball. He was just handled horrendously. So this is a second start coming off of that. I think he's probably going to look a little bit better. Um, all these series, man, I think that I'm not looking so much again in the wins and losses because I think that this team is, is, is done. In that, like, meaning from a playoff standpoint, personally. Um, but I think that you need to see development and what, how are guys going to approach at bats versus a guy like Justin Verlander versus a guy like Quintana, who's an experienced lefty. Um, how are you going to play? And then from the, the pitching side, you know, these guys are coming off of injuries and you're trying to be, to, to try to kind of establish yourself to be the next year's maybe fourth or fifth starter. I need to see development. So, for me, it's all about the development and how they win or lose these games um, because they are going to lose games, but how do you lose them? Um, and that's where I want to be really able to focus. I'm pretty much going to be focused like that in the second half of the season, but it, it'll be it'll be great challenges on both sides of the ball. Absolutely. And the White Sox do stay on the road this weekend um, for a Friday through Sunday series. They go to Minnesota. This is going to be crucial. This could be it this week. Quite frankly, I mean, if you don't, if you haven't counted them out, I still think there's a shot, very slim, you know, shot for the Sox. But they have a series in the Twins that they can lose it and break it for, at this point of the season. And Friday's matchup, Lance Lynn versus Joe Ryan. Saturday's matchup, Cease versus Sonny Gray. And then Sunday is going to be Giolito versus Ober, who Bailey Ober. He's had struggles in the MLB, you know, last two seasons, but he has bounced back this season. He's pitching strong right now. Um, that's a guy that's like 6'10 or whatever, 6'11-ish, like really tall guy finding the zone now. That's going to be a guy to watch. Um, this is going to be an interesting series. Um, I, I think the Sox are definitely going to give them a run for their money for the pitchers going into this series with uh, Lynn Cease and Giolito. Um, the guy right now on the Twins that's heated right now is Correa. I wouldn't say heated, but he's their best production hitter. Um, batting 232, 11 home runs, 41 ribbies. Uh, OJ. They're on the road. They're on the road. They're on the road. They're not at home. Okay. Yep. So you're telling me they sweep the tr they sweep the, the, the Twins, and now they're only five and a half games out 
that means that they're back in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this this is going to dictate. So so what's the number that keeps them out? Ten and a half. At what yeah, number do you say they're not coming back? Because what's the biggest what's the biggest deficit they've had this season in the division? Was it eleven games? I'm, I'm I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Um, how many games they've been behind uh, first place? Because that's that's this is this is yeah. And right this, now they're they're at eight and a half right now. This is where the White Sox have not made any trades because they think that they're still in it. You think that they're still in it. The front office still thinks that they're in it, and this is why the creation of the blackout was created. Yeah, for me to keep you guys honest, you guys are absolutely effing delusional. If you think going into this series that you guys are still in it and that's why none of the trades have happened so the two-week syndrome is alive and well one day they're bad one day they're good fans blame the front office front office says fans don't support you guys are all the same it's literally there you guys are all the same there is no difference in your heart you guys still think you guys are in it it's it's mind-boggling it's insanity at its best. And it's crazy. Because even if you are in it, then you have to seek Rafal managing a pennant race. Managing a pennant race. Can't even manage in, in, in down 16 games under 500. You think he's going to manage better in a pennant race? This is why this is crazy. And this is the rumblings from the front office that we've been hearing is that they have not made moves because they're thinking about the, 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 the series with the Minnesota Twins. Because if they sweep them on the road of all places inside Target Field, which even when they had the best teams, they'd had a hard time, that they are still in it even when they get at five and a half games. This, this I don't even know what to say, to be honest, man. Like, if that's what they believe, you know, it, it's awesome that you guys believe that much. And I'm looking right now, Furthest behind, it was nine and a half. Last on Sunday, May 14th. So the most they've ever been behind is nine and a half. So this getting swept by the Twins or losing, it could actually put them behind more than nine and a half. Okay? They've been 17 games under 500, and that was as early as July 14th. Okay? Longest losing streak has been five. Winning streak has been five games. So they haven't never won more than five games in a row. The longest one has been 10. Yeah, I get. Again, you're thinking of a second better to have, you know. They have not had a month yet where they've been over 500. Again, this is a team that one we game just watched, in May. One game in May. We just watched beat Atlanta, but get swept by like an A's team that we saw. Yeah, the two, A's also beat three, Atlanta, by the way. The A's also whooped on Atlanta. And Atlanta was coming off an 11 game winning streak after the All Star break where they had more members on the actual game than everybody else. But again, you can go in Minnesota, beat them, be five and a half back. And then two weeks later, we have that two week syndrome where they're back to being eight and a half back. So, after, that, so then you don't trade. If, you, if, they, win, if they sweep the <laughs> Twins, they're not going to trade anyone. And it's go, I go back to my prediction the Sox make no moves, they're not sellers, they keep everyone. Don't you think like that could be the situation we're about to walk into though 
knowing the socks that you could be in your best possible position going forward and retooling, selling, but then you go beat Minnesota, you believe you're, you're in it and then you, you buy. I hope that happens because then I don't have to, hopefully I don't have to see Han after that situation, but that could be a situation that could very possibly happen. And I'm just going to sit here and, uh, they're not going to we'll, trade anybody. I literally we'll keep, feel right we'll now keep eating they, it are up. Not, they are not going to trade anyone. They think that they're in it. They're going to go next year, compete with the same team. Okay. They're going to, in the offseason, lose a couple guys, but I don't, they're not going to trade any of the big names. Jolito's going nowhere. They're not, they're going to double down and they think that they're going to get hot in the second half because I bet their manager's telling them that. Their fan base is telling them that. You just did right now. They really believe. They really, really believe. That is, it is insanity. Because well, even when they are he's... clicking on all cylinders, this team is going nowhere. This team is not. Where's the picture? This team is not doing that. Yeah. They're not doing that. The way that no. this roster is constructed, they're not doing that. This is like the oh. 04 team all over again. 03, 04, 02, 03, 04. OJ, I, I at least hope Grafal is doing whatever he can to better himself, learn from his mistakes going forward and be on that positive mindset. But I think we just, just gets down to what we brought up last week with Han falling into his ego and, and allowing it to eat him up. This isn't on Grafal. This wasn't on Tony. This wasn't even on the well, bridge Tony manager of... It, 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 it was on this has been it, Han so, all along. So I think that with Ricky, they didn't develop the right way. I think with Tony, he made a playoff, but the roster was not as good as to go all the way to the World Series. I think Rafal is not to blame, meaning this roster is a lot weaker than people think that it is, meaning as a team. Again, even judging Pedro on a first-year manager, me personally, I thought he was going to be a better X's and O manager because the things that he does as a X's and O's guy is not—he's not very advanced when it comes to that. Um, so he has not improved on those movements. Uh, great recapper of the game, great communicator, but when you don't pinch hit for guys like Sevi Savala tonight, yeah. and you have two catchers, it's like uh, it's you know, I MLB the show. You learn how to do that. Like I knew how to do that when I was eight. Uh, meaning managing wise. So that part leaves you to a lot of like, Oh, okay. Uh, but again, you can always get better and you can get a better coaching staff and, you know, they can kind of save you and be more of a, about a motivational manager. And again, they're, they always say the right things, but I think from a construction of a team, if they go back out there with the same roster, they win a division, possibly compete for one. They're not going to get past that. There's something, yeah. I think, in my opinion, there's something essentially missing in this core. And, I, and I'm going to say it right now because everyone's always, oh, you know, the Guineans think that if Ozzy was a manager. No, no, no. If Ozzy Guineans was a manager, this team would might maybe be three games above 500. Maybe. And people would be like, wow, they're competing. They're, they're winning the division. It does not mean that they were a good team. Yeah. And that's something that as a baseball and, and, and now analyzing and looking at it, it's concerning from an organization standpoint. You look at the catcher's depth chart. We just went over it. There's no one. Okay. When you look at other positions, there's a lot of question marks. You're in a position where you're like financially, you don't know if you can sign big name players. They just lost 22% of their attendance this year. So those yeah. are things that being the competing for a division, even though there's not a lot of them in Chicago, it's very concerning because you're not at the level of why tax fans really thought 
that when they went to the playoffs with Houston, that they were at the same level as the Houston Astros. They really thought that. They really, really thought that. That they were at this just because they were playing in the same playoff, that they were at the same level of depth in those teams that the Houston Astros had. And that's when you say, okay, delusional, yes. And again, any team can beat any team in a matchup series, but that's where it's concerning of, whoa, well, we beat the best team in a series. And you've also lost the worst team in a series. So the two-week syndrome is alive and well. Uh, by the way, there's no one that would rather have the White Sox win the division because I have a parlay bet that I would win a lot of money if the Baltimore Orioles and the White Sox win the division. I would make a lot of money with a very, very, very small, insignificant bet, but I would make a lot of money. So it would yeah. be great, but that's what I'm saying. Even, even if this team was two or three games above 500 and leading the division, I still think that this roster has major flaws yep. that I've been exposed last year and this year they've been exposed more. So we'll see. We'll see. And it'll be, there'll be fun series. I don't think even when the White Sox are out of it or in it, Minnesota is a, is a great series always. They were ready to kick our butts. Sox are ready to kick their butts. Target field is horrible. It's a beautiful stadium, but it's horrible to play in as a visitor. Um, so it's going to be a good series. It's gonna, and again, one that I think is important for the future of the White Sox, for Jake Berger to get that uh, feeling, for Pantera to get that feeling, for Cease and Kopech and guys that are like, I, I do believe in that because I do believe that the guys that were in the 4 team that got whooped by the Minnesota Twins and got to see the Twins clinch on their own field, they felt that pain. They knew what they had to do. Cleveland did it the year after that with the White Sox. I think that you learn from that and you really get hungry. So I really think that there is a learning uh, opportunity and something for the roster itself. Yeah, OJ. I mean, I'm right with you. And after the weekend, they start up on Tuesday at home. First, who else but the Chicago Cubs. And it's going to be Toussaint versus Kyle Hendricks, who got roughed up in his last starting. And further at bat, the best guy productively for them has been Nico Horner, batting 267, 318, 372. Nico Horner, who got picked after Nick Madrigal. Yep. And that will end our schedule here for the week coming up. That will leave us a week away from the deadline when we go and face the Cubs at home. OJ, are you ready for some picks, my friend? I am. I don't even remember who I picked last week. I feel like it was like ages ago. Who won last week, by the way? Yeah, we're about to get to that because this is weekly. I myself have won another pick to click with Luis Robert wow. Jr. Slav is losing the division <laughs> in real time. In real time, he's losing the division. Who'd you win with? Luis Robert. Okay. Shocker, I know. But you were close there. You are right behind me with uh, Ben Attendee. With Benny, with Benny. With Benny. Benny did have two more hits, one more run scored, but 
Robert had another home run and Ribby on him. Oh, he played um, well. Robert, Robert. I was hoping yeah. for a Robert. I was hoping for a Louis Robert slump right after the All-Star break, um, which was not the case. Um, so well-deserved, well-deserved. Yes, and with myself, Robert is off the board, Junior. Um, I'm going to go this week with a guy that's starting to heat up and hopefully has a huge second half, and that is Tim Anderson. I know uh, there's some chats that will be surprised with that selection from myself. Junior, you are up next. It's going to go Junior, so, Slav, and Jay. So I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I feel robbed right now um, because he was going to be my pick. Uh, I love the way that he is uh, – you know, swinging the bat, uh, even today's game, he's going up the middle again, left center, but he doesn't have pop. I don't think he's going to hit a home run. Uh, hopefully you want him to hit a home run um, this week, but in the last seven games, last seven days, I should say, uh, he's had two home runs. He's driven in six RBIs. He's got an average of 313 with an OPS of 1,188. And I'm going to ride that wave. I am going with Mr. Jake Berger, who I've also yeah. picked up in my fantasy league, one of my leagues. They, he was a free agent. I was like, "What are you guys on?" Because I have I have my uh, one of my big power hitters is out, and I, and I, and I was like, "I'm going to ride with Berger. I'm going to ride with Berger." Because I really think that when he is in, he is if he hits the ball, it's going somewhere. Um, so I'm going with Jake. I'm going. I'm going to ride my guy Jake. Junior's going with Dad Power himself. Yes, yes, with Dad um, Power himself. I'm going with Dad Power himself. Slav didn't give me a pick to click, so I'm going to pick one for him, um, and I'm going to rob him because you just – I would have gave him a good pick if he actually gave me a text message that he wasn't he's going to miss the show, but because he didn't, I'm going to give him oh. some – I'm going to give him an interesting one. I'm going to give him Tuki Toussaint. Because he's got two, two starts? Two starts, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be a little generous for Slav. Otherwise – if he texted me, I would give him Benny, but because he didn't, I'm gonna give him Tuki with a uh, an outsider. You need you need in. Tuki to win because he's got one of those twin series, so you need him to be. Yeah. it's a double-edged sword for you, my friend. Well, Tuki, he's going up against Verlander tomorrow, and then Kyle Hendricks on Tuesday versus the Cubs. Um, so Slav is gonna we're, we're gonna give him Tuki. Jay is going with the guy that hit a blast tonight from the left-handed side of the box. Grand he's Dahl. going. He is going with Grandal. Grandal, okay. He was on my list. He was on my list. That was an interest. Uh, hey, that was better than who you have Graveman last week. I think yeah, it was. your pick. He's it's a way better pick for him. <laughs> um, let's see if Jay can get back into this because he's he's starting to fall behind. Um, yeah. so the picks. Let me just finish typing this up real quick. Picks are as follows. It is going to be me going with Tim Anderson. Junior is going with Berger. Slav is going with Toussaint. And Jay is going with Grandal. And the, the, the standings right now at the moment, let me pull them up for the chats. I have six. Slav has four. Junior has three. And Jay has one. So Jay is losing like the White Sox in the division. I hope as long as I'm today. beating Jay, we're as long as I'm beating Jay, I'm 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 happy. 
and Mike in the chat wants to throw, he wants to join Jay with the uh, Yasmani pick. Um, that, folks, is what's going to end our picks to click. And before we wrap up the show, we're going to do some shout outs. Um, OJ, I'm going to have you begin our shout outs. Who would you like to begin? No, I, I shout outs, man. I'm working today. I had the Stadium Vagabonds. Uh, they got a. They got a. They're building a story on uh, the 1990s White Sox in the last season, um, in the old Comiskey Park. They gave me some really cool picks, like the ones that's actually behind me with my father and them. So, this awesome hat, and that's about it. I'm trying to think about. No, nah, that's that's all I got. Um, don't have that many. Just keep grinding. <laughs> OJ, I was actually impressed with that throwback. With which one? Your dad uh, tweeted out today on the twitter you were oh, a very young lad in that marlins yeah, the, hat. oh with the marlins one oh yeah yeah that's when i was a bad boy with the marlins um <laughs> yeah yeah and then, then the white Sox one was actually the um i think that's either right after the world series in the in the ring ceremony or 2004 opening day i need i need to because i have two pictures that are very similar that obviously they were shared together uh but yeah that was my translator days so yeah very very interesting all right. For me, um, I always have to shout out my girlfriend, Soraya, my significant other, my girlfriend. She's always been with me from day one, starting from the old platform for the, the prior two years. And then she was the first one uh, when that situation went down and I moved on. And I had this thought sparked in my mind of joining forces with my man, OJ, here. And she really pushed for that for me to continue. And I followed her, um, her love and, and me and support. And we have gone 18 episodes, OJ. And I'm so proud to have this opportunity with you. And I uh, can't wait for what is to come. We have a really important guest possibly coming up next week with one week to go before the deadline. We will announce that because that will be a huge guest um, once we finalize it. But um, besides Soraya, I'm going to give a shout out to our guy in the, ch in the green room right now that just joined us for this episode and stone cold Nick on Twitter folks go give him a follow. He has been really hot on Twitter this season with his positivity, um, always there last, but not least, um, this is tough for me because Normally, I don't talk about subjects that are um, not being talked about out there in this world today. Um, last week, on my day off, I went to go see a movie that's in ways being boycotted, but it is called Sounds of Freedom. It is one of the better films I've seen in years, if I'm being completely honest. It should be a documentary film it is not only a true story but human trafficking is happening every day many different facets around the world um this film was i mean it is a part of human trafficking but more so the um the child trafficking that's just one facet of it and this gives a real um accurate portrayal of what is going on in current times. And this is truly as opening as it gets. Um, 
that's all I can really say. I would say a whole lot more because I come across it during the, my day job. Um, and watching the end of the movie, it hit me. Um, tough for me to watch just because I do what I can in these situations. Sorry, tearing up because this, this is painful. Um, but, <sighs> sorry. If you have a moment to watch it at a local theater, I highly recommend it. Do what you can. Take a moment of your day. Go watch it with your loved ones, your family, your friends. Go enjoy some time. Go watch it. It's a great film. Um, it's a must. I think it's a Ozzy Senior won't watch it because he heard what it was about. And he was like, and I was like, you have to. Mm-hmm. We were debating. It's like, you have to watch it. It's some. It's It's something that you, it's not a feel good let's laugh and have a really good hour and a half and forget about our problems. You will be very, very disturbed when you walk out of the theater. Uh, yeah. You will obviously even uh, be more grateful for the life that we get to live. And for the people that are have to deal with this on a day-by-day basis, uh, like yourself, it's just very hard because when you, when you go to work and you like like when you work in sports the if you mess up or something happens it's not a big deal it's somebody gets a hit it's a win it's a loss it's a it's a game that's it's essentially a game it's you know if i say tim Anderson is going to get a hit and he sucks and bennett bennett benny has a better game it's just you know or i place a bet i gave a bad it, there's nothing really hurting in that someone that works in that situation and you don't do your job and your due diligence and somebody comes in that's, you know, this is happening to and whatnot. It's like the whole life has changed. Ruin, essentially. So I think, number one, I think what I got from it is like we're highly miseducated on the topic. Uh, number two, the numbers are very scary because of the numbers that are shared. We, we have this belief that the drug war is the biggest problem that we're facing with this. And it's it is up there, but I don't now. I'm like I don't know if it's the number one problem. Human um, trafficking is number one. No, I think right it's number now. one because it's about again. I think, and this is coming from someone that's in recovery. By the way, re, been in long term recovery. It's a choice that we do to consume anything. So this is something that it's not you know. So so I think it's a bigger deal than we make it out to be. And the part where I think that you have to go watch it is because I think that your brain. If you watch it completely unbiased and you listen to what's going on and you watch it and you watch it as just a human being, regardless of where you sit, I think children are like something that you just want to keep safe. So it's like, okay, this needs to be put in a, in a, this needs to be like an issue. Just like if you're running out of water or like clean air, certain things that you want everyone to have. It's not a political issue. It's like you want everyone to be as safe as possible and I think it's a it's a situation when you want both sides to to kind of work on it because I think it's that and and I and I love it when I when like everybody even you know athletes and even us uh, I know there's a lot of people getting canceled and just go see it like go like I really believe if you go see it and you see it with like just a clear mind like no one's ever influenced whatever you're gonna say and you just see the movie that you're like whoa this is a bigger issue than I thought because it's number one it's a really good well made movie but the story it's a true story. Um, and it made me think about Alan Roach because that's like what something that Alan Roach used to do. He used to go in and like 
where the camera are and try to save kids from like human traffic, which again, probably one of the best things. It's got to be hardcore. That's not that. That was like his giving back action, but it comes to that. And and I think that this has to be something that in sports, we're always trying to, you know, stand up for something. And I really like the fact that there's a lot of players that are out there that have talked about it um, because it's literally the conversation in all aspects of the world is like, did you see the movie? Did you see the movie? What did you think? What did you think? So uh, go see it. Go see it. Yes. No, please go share it. Um, anyone watch and share it with your loved ones, share it with your friends. It is, I think it's going to, it should be the film of our generation. Um, in the end though, like you said, it isn't about politics with this topic as what it's trying to be made out to be in this right now. Um, but in, at the end of the day, it is a true case. Um, fortunately in this case a good outcome in this topic of human trafficking but not every case there's a lot of cases that don't have those good outcomes um so when you do walk out of the movie theater you're going to be feeling good about a good outcome in this situation but the whole topic in itself is is makes you feel uncomfortable when you walk out of there um but the film itself, is, it was great. The budget that they did, it was fantastic. They made it as, like I said, as real as it gets um, of how they, it was depicted in the movie. It was pretty accurate. And um, OJ, I think that does it on shout outs for me. Um, again, everyone, thanks for watching. We had fun with this uh, trade deadline discussion with Nick. Everyone, Stay tuned for next week. We're going to have some bigger news coming out. Um, but thank you for watching The Blackout Show, presented by the Gian Grid. From Gonzo, from myself, from OJ. Folks, have a great night. Chicago. Beep, beep.